Hey everyone, welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariane Petrucci and Scott Jans. This is episode 131, Carrying the Weight for the What If. On this episode, we speak to our very own podcast listener, Amy Tappendorf, about backpacking with type 1 diabetes. The added challenges she faces in preparing for a trip, specifically in regard to potentially adding in weight for the what if. Amy found our podcast less than a year ago after learning about and exploring a newfound passion for backpacking. She booked our Isle Royale adventure trip this past September, where I learned and experienced for myself the added preparations it takes to manage her diabetes safely on the trail. Since then, we've also backpacked a portion of the Jacks River Trail together, and I've been very impressed with Amy's resilience and determination in continuing to move forward in her passion, not allowing a very real, a very real challenge to stop her, not allowing for the very real concerns of the what if to impede her moving forward, and specifically learning how to reduce that added pack weight that could otherwise easily add up to an unmanageable element. After speaking to Amy about bringing her inspiring story to you, I learned it coincided with National Diabetes Month. Today, the day of release, being National World, I'm sorry, World Diabetes Day. Therefore, I encourage each and every one of you to join in on this discussion on our Facebook group page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash trust the trail podcast and join our podcast family. Uh, Be part of our community, spread the education, share the post, spread the post. I hope that each of you are very equally inspired by her inability to let diabetes stop her. And I hope it brings you a bit of motivation to get out there and face your own fears. Well, you guys, we have Amy here. um, And Amy, I am very, very, very grateful um, and very appreciative of you taking uh, your evening out of a very hectic week <laughs> uh, to to come onto the podcast and and talk about a topic because this is a very sp- special topic considering the release date falls in line with World Diabetes Day. So very exciting, <laughs> very exciting. Uh, we couldn't have planned it any better uh, for education surrounding this topic. Um, so others that are interested in learning a little bit more about it uh, can uh, can be educated and 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 really kind of have a beginning resource uh, for where to start. So, um, but so let's uh, clue our listeners in a little bit about uh, you. Uh, now you've been living with diabetes for twenty three years. Is that correct? That is correct. So uh, type 1 diabetes, uh, it's part of your daily routine. Uh, Let's talk a little bit, kind of clue the listeners in uh, what that is like for you on a a daily basis and and how you've adapted to it as as part of regular rhythm. So a lot of people don't know what type 1 diabetes is. Um, A lot of people more so know what type 2 diabetes is just because when you hear the word diabetes, that's that's what most people think of. So type 1 diabetes is basically it's just an autoimmune disorder in which the body's immune system 
destroys the insulin-producing cells in the pancreas. And this is a problem because everything that we eat gets broken down into glucose or sugar. And without insulin, the body cannot absorb glucose and convert it into energy. And so glucose builds up in the bloodstream, creating a high blood sugar. And the reason why a lot of people know about type 1 diabetes is because only 5% of all people who have diabetes have type 1. And so type 1 is not caused by diet or lifestyle choices. It cannot be prevented and there is no cure. Um, so I could, I could go into a lot more detail about it, but that's, that's basically just kind of the backbone of it. Um, diabetes just varies. It, it varies by day and, and no day is, is the same. So you can do the exact same thing every single day. You can, you can eat the same thing. You can take the exact same amount of insulin. You can do the exact same activity and you're going to get different results every single day. And so a lot of people think, oh, well, you can just control diabetes by taking your insulin and eating healthy, when in reality, it's a lot more complicated than that. That's a, a, a really good basic understanding of, of what it is. <laughs> well, well done. I don't think you're going to have said it any better. Um, it, it, you know, there is, I think that's interesting, Five, only 5% of those with diabetes actually have type 1, which is, which is why mm-hmm. I'm so excited to actually bring you on to this uh, podcast and, and, and bring an education aspect to it because you have practically dialed in, quote unquote, because the, the best you can into like daily management of it. Um, and then you add in this idea of backpacking uh, to uh, something that's already very, very difficult to, to, con- to, to control because of the, all the different variables. Um, so you're, yeah. new, you're new to backpacking. Uh, this is a sport that you recently yeah. got into. Um, and let's face it, I, I've kind of gotten to know you a, a lot over the course of this last several months. <laughs> And you are diving head in, like absolutely no hesitation whatsoever. So, mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm, I'm going to go for it. Going for this rigorous sport that I, I have no idea how my body is going to react. So was there any hesitancy at all when you discovered backpacking? You're like, well, maybe I should not do this. You know, maybe my diabetes is going to be a component that's going to keep me from this. Was there ever a question for you? I don't think there was a lot of hesitancy for me personally in the diabetes aspect of it as there was for other people, such as my family and friends. But I think that was mainly because I felt like I had a pretty good handle on things to begin with and expected that things weren't going to go right. I think the biggest issue I had was the potential for putting people in a situation that maybe they weren't expecting or they weren't prepared for. So diabetes doesn't always play fair in real life. So I knew that would be the case on a trail as well. And so I knew that things weren't going to go as planned and I expected that up to a certain level. 
But my biggest fear was that it was going to impact other people's backpacking trips. I was okay with it affecting mine because I'm used to it on a daily basis, but I in no way wanted it to affect other people. And I didn't want other people to feel like they had to stop and wait for me to check a blood sugar or, you know, slow down the slow down the group if I needed to stop and treat a low blood sugar. So I think that was the biggest issue I had when I decided backpacking was something I wanted to get into. So really that was the biggest the biggest thing was just um I didn't want to I didn't want it to create any issues for other people. Well, yeah, particularly when you're going into a group environment. Um, so, you know, Isle, Isle Royal was uh, something that we were planning with, and that was a group uh, backpacking adventure. Uh, and so there were a lot of other people, uh, you know, factored into this as well. And I, I remember just talking endless with you, endlessly with you on, on the the different concerns you had going in about how how it would affect their hike or our hike or yes. <laughs> and I, I guess that's there a, were many concerns. <laughs> there were many concerns and it and it didn't <laughs> in the long run. Um you know fear is fear is one of those components that um play of a, a very large role in in like people choosing to move forward from thought to, to process, you know, to, to actual action. Um, outside of the group element, were there any major concerns or any specific fears perhaps that added into uh, the whole preparing for you or, um, you know, this element of, of adding in this unknown element and then and going deeper into the wilderness where there's not as much help. Well, kicking out the group aspect of it, I think my biggest fear was, did I have enough supplies? You know, we talk about, um, you know, well, you and Scott talk a lot about don't pack for the what if. And in my case, I, I kind of have to in the diabetes aspect of it. And so I can't say, okay, well, I'm only going to have one low blood sugar a day. So I only need, you know, this, this amount of supplies per day. I can't, I can't predict that. And so that I think was the biggest issue that I had was, well, I have no idea what's going to happen. And so I had to be prepared for any and all aspects that, that could come up. And so trying to prepare for that, it was really hard and it was really difficult because I didn't want, I didn't want to have to carry all this extra stuff if I wasn't going to use it. But at the same time, I was like, well, if I do end up needing it, I have to have it. And so, so there's a very fine balance, and I, and I didn't want to not bring something and have my safety at risk. And so it, it, this, it became very difficult in trying to figure out, well, what do I actually need? 
you know, what can I get by without or what can I supplement instead if a certain situation were to arise? Yeah, uh, you do have a very true component of of needing to prepare for the what if, which is, you know, it, it kind of goes, um, you know, again saying, well, you don't want to pack for the what if, um, and so <laughs> it's it's kind of like, well, how do you take those two components? How do you take? I don't want to pack for the what if because essentially you could have taken the entire pantry with you uh, for every possible what-if scenario uh, and feel really, really comfortable saying, okay, I've got this. I have have a combating element uh, to to factor into anything that I experience out there. Um, And that, that is a real component to fight because if you begin packing for the what if, you add in so much layer of weight and then weight becomes an additional component um, for you, <laughs> you know? And it does. Weight, and, and it weight, really does. And weight, and, and weight affects you uh, with diabetes uh, backpacking out there very differently than it would, let's say, affect me or affect uh, anybody else, even, you know, whether they have a knee injury or just they're out there and they're carrying too much weight. It, so it kind of explain, let's back up and explain exactly like what's happening to your body when you add in that rigorous element of uh, uh, increased workout, increased weight, uh, kind of explain to our listeners what's going on internally. So when you increase your level of activity, your body obviously requires more energy. And so it uses more glucose to help you perform whatever activity that is, in this case, backpacking. Um, And so your body actually stores glucose in typically three different areas of your body. Um, A, your skeletal muscle. So holds typically about 600 grams of glucose, which we actually can't use. And then your liver stores about 100 grams and your bloodstream holds about 5 to 15 grams. So in reality, for somebody backpacking with diabetes, you have five to 15 grams of glucose in your bloodstream that you're trying to regulate. So it's a very, very small, tight window of glucose that you're trying to regulate. And so add in trying to correctly figure out how your body's going to process how many carbs you're consuming along with the amount of insulin you're giving and how all of that activity is going to affect your body. And so you're trying to basically plan for the worst not to happen because ultimately you have no idea how your body is going to respond to all of those different elements. And so the issue that you run into with backpacking and with that that increased activity level is for somebody without diabetes, you guys have, it's basically like these counter-regulatory processes, meaning something goes wrong, your body knows how to fix it. You know, if 
if your blood sugar starts dropping too much, your liver knows what to do and it's going to start spitting out extra, extra sugar to bring your blood sugar back up. With type 1 diabetes, you know, the longer that you have it, these processes don't work in response to exercise. So when my blood sugar starts to drop out on the trail, my body doesn't know that and it doesn't know that it's supposed to release extra sugar to help bring that back up because the insulin that I use, my body doesn't recognize it. Whereas somebody who doesn't have diabetes, you know, their body always knows if they have too much insulin. Um, and so they're able to, their body's able to correct it on its own. And so you have, you just have this extra element of your body has no idea what's going on and it doesn't know what's wrong. And so it doesn't know how to fix it. And so you run into all these issues of, well, you have a low blood sugar or you have a high blood sugar and, and your body just doesn't know what to do with it. Which makes it really hard to plan for <laughs> because, <laughs> and, and that's, we, I, I can't even tell you how many times we talked for hours just trying to prepare for the trip. I, this was the longest uh, trip. This is the longest backpacking excursion you had done to date. And so part of the, the, the preparing for it was not only the whole element of preparing for all these variables that your body is going to experience uh, in reaction to what you're trying to aid it with. <laughs> and it's, uh, you also, you had on, oh, you also had the extra element of, well, that means more weight. That means, uh, you know, more preparation. We're going in colder climate for longer. It's just, it, it keeps adding the weight. And, and making it challenging to prepare the right food for five days to say, okay, well, I might have X amount of lows that I have to treat. That X amount of lows is going to look like this in a food. And at one point I envisioned your food bag being a little bit like Santa Claus is, you know, <laughs> shoving down the chimney. <laughs> and uh, well, I was very <laughs> in my food bag and you still made fun of it because you thought that it was still too big. So. <laughs> you know, and, 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 but, but we worked through, um, you know, I, I, I think the key component here is without adding all the what ifs and without adding all of the weight, the extra weight factor to kind of prepare for these what ifs because they are real life what ifs. They are very concerning what ifs. And it's just not like, oh, I might, I might be too cold or I might, they, they, they have a very, very, um, it, it's a very medical factor. I'm, I'm not saying the right word, but you know, looking at uh, ways it, to it's reduce. It's a life or death situation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So uh, looking at how to add that what if factor, uh, the excess that you have to prepare for uh, with lighter weight options in, and the food bag is, is the prime place to begin uh, with the more lighter weight you can go with your food um, you know, the, 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 the less component of weight with the comfort of the what if added in, which was, 
particularly hard for you because you're a very picky eater. Yes, <laughs> I am. <laughs> but I will tell you that between my very first backpacking trip and the Isle Royal trip, I did learn quite a bit and I had made some adjustments between what I brought for low supplies. You know, I, I used to bring fruit snacks for mm-hmm. low blood sugar supplies. Well, those are pretty bulky and those, those add up in weight and it's harder to fit those in a pack, but that's what I was used to on a daily basis. And so once I kind of had a few trips under my belt, I was like, well, this isn't really the best option. Like there has to be something else out there that's going to work just as well, but is going to fit in my pack a little bit better. And I can maybe carry a little bit more of without adding extra bulk and extra weight. And so I did actually learn from my first few backpacking trips. And so I was able to make some adjustments. And and I would say, actually, you seem to have really dialed it in uh, when we went uh, to Jack's, the Jack's River Trail um, and did those 44 crossings. Uh, you packed a lot more confidently going into that trip. And I think you were... A, a lot, a lot more dialed in, and perhaps we know we have, you know, there's, there's still so many components of, of the unknown, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, it seemed as though you're every time you go out there, you learn a little bit more to help you face those elements. Something I was pretending like I knew what I was doing, but <laughs> no, I know. I <laughs> yes, that's what that was. No, I have learned a little bit on every single trip. And so, but I, I think, I think more of it is I, I build a little bit more confidence yeah. with each trip. And so that, that's really what is helping me plan and prepare for that next trip. Yeah. Um, well, the confidence thing is, is, is huge, um, it, which is kind of what you were were lacking when you first started the whole idea of backpacking. Uh, you talked to me a little bit about it, it not being able to find the information out there uh, that you kind of needed to feel a little bit more confident. It, it, with experience comes more confident. But you struggled to kind of find information on type 1 diabetes out there and, and how it would impact you. And I, and I think that played a big factor in your lack of confidence going into it. I, I've seen you since uh, gain that confidence. But talk a little bit about that struggle initially for you to feel confident. Well, so when I first scheduled my my first backpacking trip, I wanted to get as much information as I possibly could because I wanted that confidence. And I'm a little bit of a control freak, so I knew that if I could arm myself with as much information as possible, I would at least feel more prepared for for certain situations that may arise. And so I turned to the internet and I started trying to find as much information regarding diabetes and backpacking as I possibly could. And it turned out to be way more difficult than I ever imagined. So not only was I looking for general information, such as tips and tricks or recommendations on just how to carry supplies or 
what would be better food options while on the trail, but I was looking for people with diabetes who had actually gone out and done it. You know, I wanted to hear personal stories from people and what their experiences had been and how they had done it. I wanted to find out what had worked and what didn't work. I wanted to know how they adjusted their insulin doses so blood sugars were more stable on the trail and they weren't constantly having to stop and deal with higher low blood sugars. And I ultimately found nothing except for the general recommendation to go see your doctor and discuss it with them. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is, I mean, really, that's what, that's what most of it said. I was like, well, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because You're like, I need you to find to see your doctor. They, they know nothing about backpacking. <laughs> and so, so it didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense. The worst now, medical advice, if, right? <laughs> it's like, it's go see a doctor if you know nothing about it. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Now, I, I don't know if I just couldn't find this information because I just don't know how to do a proper Google search or if it's just <laughs> the information really isn't out there. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, yeah. So I was able to get a NOLS document sent to me for when they take students out with IBs for their classes, but it contained very basic information and even information that doesn't really make sense and is kind of outdated. I did find somebody who I believe is, she's probably 25 or 26 years old now, but who hiked the entire Appalachian Trail with type 1 diabetes. And there was a two-hour recording about her experience, but I was never able to get the recording to play. So I know there's people out there, and I know that there has to be information out there. It's just been very difficult to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Part of what we're doing here today is, is kind of, you know, continuing that, that conversation, you know, something that I kind of want to bring up because I, it's something that I didn't understand. I had a, I had a basic understanding of diabetes and, and, and how it functioned. But one thing, one component of backpacking with you that, alarmed me was the amount of of planning for things. It, it takes a little bit of the, not entirely, but it takes a little bit of the spontaneity out of it in the fact that you're trying to um, issue insulin, uh, both short-term, long-term, uh, you know, fast-acting or long-term. And it really kind of affected, you kind of needed to know how long you were going to be backpacking that day or what the elevation looked like, you know, any variables in there that were going to affect kind of how your body reacted to what you were offering it up. And I thought that was mm-hmm. a really interesting component that, that also takes into the factor of planning because let's face it, like it's hard for you to, to, it's hard to prepare. You're not hiking. You're not necessarily hiking with diabetes. You're not hiking two miles an hour. You can't necessarily be, you once you dial it in more perhaps, but there were a lot of different factors that played into it. Um, If you had an extreme low, you had to, you had to stop for a little while. And, and that takes in to the planning aspect of it for you because you have to prepare for those moments where you might be sitting on a rock soaking your feet in Jack's River for 45 minutes before you can cross. And, and yes. those, are, those are real factors. Um, 
you know, the moments where you have to stop uh, and, and treat something or wait it out, um, components that, that play into preparing in a very different way than most of us have to think about our hikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, something that, you know, a lot of people don't know is just on a normal day, you know, somebody with diabetes makes an additional 200 to 300, you know, more decisions than somebody who doesn't have diabetes because there's so many other factors that you have to take into consideration. So then I got to thinking, I was like, well, out on the trail, how many more decisions do I have to make? <laughs> yeah. Just in regards to the diabetes, you know, because there's, you know, there's, there's 50 different things that, that can, affect blood sugars. You know, it's not just insulin and, and carbohydrates and activity level. You know, there's so many other factors that you have to take into consideration. And so it, it was very difficult to plan in those aspects. And like I said, that's why, that's why diabetes doesn't play fair because right. you just have no idea what's going to happen. Specifically, let's talk a little bit about that un- uh, unprepared aspect of the emotional part uh, that that plays yeah. into it, <laughs> because yes, there are moments when I have seen you out there extremely frustrated uh, or extremely down. So let's talk a little bit about that because I think that's the real aspect of diabetes that nobody talks about. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so you know, unfortunately blood sugars do affect how a person feels and acts and it's not something that they can always control. And so when blood sugars fluctuate, it does affect how your brain functions. When your brain doesn't have enough sugar, you don't always think clearly. You can't always make rational decisions. And I know in my case, I'm not always the nicest person. So I (laughs) actually had a meltdown on our Isle Royal trip, which you were witness to. Yes. So very, I had been very pretty, controlled. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this case, a little bit, yes. So I had been treating a low blood sugar for about 20 minutes on the trail. You know, we were hiking along and I had been eating as we were hiking. And probably for the last five minutes as I was hiking during this time, in the back of my head, I was like, Amy, you have to stop. You have to stop. But I just didn't want to. Um, and I finally, it reached a point where I was like, okay, this is, this is finally getting a little bit too dangerous. And so I, I finally, I finally stopped. And I think this was, I think this was the first time on this trip where I ran into my, my first big issue. So I finally stopped, dropped my backpack, checked the blood sugar. And I knew that I had to sit there until my blood sugar came back up to a normal range. And I was so upset because I didn't want to stop my hike. And then, and I think I was in the, I was either the first or second person um, leading at that point in time. And so, um, so everyone from our group, they were like, oh, like we can just wait. It's fine. And I kept <laughs> telling them, no, keep going. Like I'll catch up. It's fine. And so, so finally, you know, everybody else continued on. And Ariane, you stayed back and just kind of sat behind me. And as soon as the last person left, like the tears just started (laughs) rolling down my face. And I just kind of, 
I just kind of lost it. Like I, I just sat there and I just bawled my eyes out because I think I was just more frustrated with not, not really myself because I, I knew that I couldn't really control it, but I was just, I was frustrated because it was the reality that my fear had come true and people had stopped their hike because of me. So I had my little pity party and, you know, my sister <laughs> finally came back up and it was fine. But the way that I look at it is um, it was actually a blessing in disguise because it just so happened where I had dropped my pack. That was actually where we found those treat up boots that right. had been stolen by right. that box. So that was kind of, you know, was so ser- it was very positive in that. Yeah. <laughs> it was very serendipitous where like nobody else saw the boots but us because your pack had been covering <laughs> the boots. <laughs> so it was a very yes. unique moment uh, to share with you. But it, it taught me a lot because we, t- we talk all the time about, uh, you know, over half of the battle of backpacking and hiking, particularly when you go into more long-term or you're having rough days, this mental aspect of things. And this is a mental aspect of things that is really almost out of your control entirely. And it's harder for you to gain one up on it. It's not as easy as like, get it together, you know, Amy, like you got this. You really do. You are really facing a very real component of, your your body is physically unable to uh, get to the levels of uh, of, a, of a normal uh, a level in it. It plays in. I'm I'm not thinking of the proper word, but it pays. It, it's a it's a medical. It plays into it more than just you know like a I'm just I just can't get out of my head kind of situation. So yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and, and high blood sugars are another story, and it's different for everyone, but for me, when my blood sugar gets above typically about 160, 180, like my muscles really start to ache, and they just don't, they don't function as well as, as what they normally do when I'm more in a normal range, and I'm not always the nicest person when my <laughs> blood sugar is high either. And so, well, so luckily, I've learned to realize this, and instead of engaging with other people, I just get really quiet and I think, and so I think there was one morning and I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I think there was one morning where I had been high for a lot of the night and so I'm packing up stuff like we've been packing up everything and I was not talking to anybody. I don't think I had cooked breakfast, anything like that. And like nobody had said a word to me. And I hadn't said anything to anybody. And finally, I think you were like, Amy, is your blood sugar high? <laughs> and I just kind of nodded. And, and you didn't say a word to me for the rest of the time. You're like, okay. And we've really, finally, <laughs> we've dialed in that friendship for sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and finally, you know, I, you know, finally, probably about 45 minutes later, it started coming back down and I started feeling fine. And I was back to my normal self and I started talking to people, but you know, it's just, I get in this headspace and I'm just not my normal self. And unfortunately, if I'm around people who don't understand that, it doesn't always come across as, you know, I, I don't come across as the nicest person, but if they understand it, then, you know, like you guys, you just kind of left me alone. Let me do my own thing. 
and we were able to get on the trail. Yeah, I, it, real. It's such it's such a real component. We got to see it in action, but uh, you know, it, it's it it it's teaching me a lot about diabetes um, and the, the functionality of it in in real play and real motion. So something that you also battle. It's not just it's not just the hike. You have long term effects. Uh, from doing this type of activity well after the hike is over. Uh, I may have sore muscles or swollen feet, uh, but y- you know you have a, a battle that long, that long goes after the hike is complete for you, and, and you're still willing to do this. Um, and, and so it's, it's pretty impressive. Backpacking must be something that really that really draws you in. Yeah, I mean, I I think on, I don't remember my first couple backpacking trips. I'm sure that I had issues after those ones, but the more recent two, I struggled probably for about a week after both of them, and but completely different effects. Um, can't figure out why. Um, nobody really can give me a reason why or how to fix it. And so I kind of came to the, to the realization that, you know what, it's a week out of my life that I will just kind of struggle. But honestly, I don't care because the backpacking experience is honestly what I remember and that's what I focus on. And so that's why I keep going back and doing it. So have you learned anything uh, from all these multiple trips that you're doing? I I know you have an upcoming trip uh, in Oregon uh, before the end of the year. So do you have any of the answers that you were seeking initially? Is there any insights that you can offer to others with type 1 diabetes? I haven't really found the answers that I had set out to find initially, but what I've learned is being more proactive than reactive when I'm out on the trail. And so, you know, maybe setting my blood sugar parameters a little bit differently. And so maybe instead of saying, okay, I'm going to treat a low blood sugar at 80, maybe I set my alarm on my continuous glucose monitor at 100. So that way I can catch it a little bit earlier and I'm not battling as severe blows. And so that's helped a little bit. Um, The other thing is, you know, setting parameters out on the trail, like maybe I shouldn't try to afford a river with a blood sugar of 60 (laughs) and saying, hey, Ariane, don't let me cross the river unless I'm above 90. Because again, when your blood sugar is low, A, you don't always make the right decisions, and B, you you just don't have the energy or the strength to cross the river that is just roaring. (laughs) And And we saw that, yeah, yeah, I saw you lock up (laughs) mid-river at the worst possible scenario. (laughs) There are real components. That I did. Yeah, (laughs) there are real components that you face, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Why? So, it, so I, I think it was a good learning experience. Yeah. And so that, and, and, and you did, you know, we set that perimeter the next day and you stuck to it. And oh yeah. So that way I didn't have a, I didn't have a freak out or a meltdown in the middle of the river the next day. <laughs> and it worked out. <laughs> it did work out. Uh, you know, it's funny because, uh, with experience, people gain the confidence, but uh, you're facing, you know, a passion with uh, a, a legitimate reason for uh, every excuse in the book to not go. And yet you still make the effort to say, this isn't going to hold me back. My fears aren't going to be a factor. Um, I'm going for it. And the experience, the knowledge, the, the everything that you've gained, not just from learning how to manage it in a different way, but also getting what you love out of it. And so many people let things stop them from going. And you are the prime example in my eye uh, for not letting that be a component and just going for it. And it, you know, it shouldn't be something that that stops people. You know, I work with, I'm a diabetes educator. So I work with, I work with kids and teenagers and I teach them all about diabetes and something that I thought to myself when I first started getting into backpacking or even thinking about doing it was because I, I did have that thought in my head of, well, maybe I shouldn't do this, but I tell these kids every single day that you can go out and do everything that anybody else who doesn't have diabetes can do. Not, you know, diabetes should not hold you back in any way. And it should never be an excuse to not go out there and do something. And so I had to sit there and tell myself, okay, no, you can't use this as an excuse and it should never be an excuse to not go do something. So it's never been, it's never been an excuse for me to not do it. It's been, it's been in the back of my mind as yes, there are situations that may arise and you're going to have to figure out how to deal with them and you may have to ask for help. And you may have to have, you know, other people, you are going to have to involve other people in your care. You know, you're going to have to have other people who know how to use an emergency glucagon kit, you know, just <laughs> yeah. there's certain aspects, yeah. you know. And so, so I just, I had to tell myself that, no, you know, not you can't stop use this you. as an excuse and you just have to go out and do it. Well, so there's, there's multiple of, of other things that, you know, are in the back of my head saying, you know, no, you shouldn't do this. And that's more of what, <laughs> you know, is in my head of saying, you know, no, don't go out and do this than, <laughs> than the diabetes. The diabetes yeah. has never been a factor. Perfect. So. Well, that is uh, exactly what our listeners need to hear from you. So thank you, Amy. I really appreciate you coming on and educating us. And uh, yeah, I mean, well, thank you for having me. Of course, any anytime. Thank you so much for listening tonight. If you enjoy this podcast, please post a comment on iTunes or review on Apple Podcasts and help us spread the word about our podcast or one of any of your other favorite podcatchers. 
Shout outs specifically to our lovely and amazing Facebook members and our Patreons, John Phillips, Rick, Jerry B, Shirley Nutt, Chuck Walsh, Jerry B, Suzanne, Brad Wolf, Bill Cottrell, Nick Dreyer, Helene, Mike Pellet, Jacqueline, Danny, Jack Masters, Amy Tappendorf, and our newest Patreons, Jeff Nineman and Kathy Kinnison. Patreon is a secure platform that lets you support your favorite podcasts such as this. All you need to do is create an account and just go to Trust the Trail podcast and join in as little as $2 a month to get special benefits for exclusive content. Our our podcasts are available on any of your favorite podcatchers. If we aren't on one that you listen to, let us know and we will make sure that we are on it just for you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Trust the Trail, and our Trust the Trail Facebook page. Remember, the trail does truly give you everything you need and more. So trust the trail, you guys. Bye.